Welcome to Living Well with Ann Beal. Our show is a health show, a lifestyle show, and an empowerment show rolled into one. Get ready to hear some stories of success, healthy living tips, and suggestions to get motivated and live your best life. Now, here is your host, Ann Beal. Hello. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Ann Beal, and I'm on the road today, live in Austin, Texas, with my guest, Virginia Woodruff. Welcome to the show today, Virginia. Hi, Anne. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. Well, I would like to talk a little bit about you today, if you're okay with that. That'd be great. Thank you. You have um, quite a resume. <laughs> I, I was reading all about you, and I was like, you have to be at least 60 years old, <laughs> 70 years old. There's so much. Um, so let's go through it, because it's, it's really exciting. Um, you started out in Philadelphia. That's right. I'm from outside Philadelphia. I'm actually from the country, and then I went to college at Penn in Philadelphia. The University of Pennsylvania? Yes. What did you major in there? I majored in English. English. That profitable (laughs) major. (laughs) You can do a lot with an English major. English major. Why English? Um, I think it was part of my history. My mother had been an English major and um, had taught English, and... um, I started off in communications, and I always thought I wanted to be in media. Um, and then I just realized what I really li- liked even more than talking about communications was actually just reading and writing about things I had read. So that drew me in. Wow. And that's probably how you have such a vast background, starting with English writing and then moving you into film. Right. And directing. Yes. And journalism. Yes. And we are going to work our way through that. <laughs> that is very incredible and cool. And I want everybody to just know that um, what Virginia's done is um, a great map for women and, and people on how you can start off with a passion and fit it to every season of your life to fit perfectly and design your life where you've designed it instead of letting it design you. Mm, this is a great way of putting it, Anne. Yeah, because yeah. most people just kind of fall into things. Yeah. And so with a little um, effort and a little direction and planning, just really understanding that you can alter your life to fit perfect as you grow mm-hmm. for each season. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people really feel like they've ended up just not reaching their goals, not living their dreams. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, if that's you today, you can change that. And you can redesign your life to fit and achieve your dream or a version of your dream right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you started out at the University of Pennsylvania um, in journalism and English or just English? I was an English major, but I wrote for the school paper, which was a good paper. It was independent. Um, and so I started doing feature articles for them about, I did one on the ballet in Philadelphia, and I did one on some entrepreneurial women, things like that. Um, and that was really a great way to get your feet wet because that was actually what got me my first job because I think you don't realize when you're in college, you think it's all about if you show your your papers and your grades, <laughs> but employers don't care about that. They care about, in, in the case of journalism, clips or real-life experience. So I, I was lucky that I had done some of that and could use that to, um, I started working at a small paper uh, outside Philadelphia and uh, just started doing daily reporting for them. Now, is that the Phoenix newspaper? Yes. Whoa. Okay, they have <laughs> Phoenix newspaper in Philadelphia. Well, it's in a town called Phoenixville. That's, yeah. I mean, everything in small. Pennsylvania ends in Ville. 
It does. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Or Berg. Harrisburg. Yeah. Shippensburg, Mueller'sburg. So Working Women magazine, I know you were a journalist there too. That's right. Then I went to New York and I was an uh, editorial assistant at Working Women and I wrote for them as well. Um, and that was another great place to get my feet wet. It was difficult. You know, I think you, you don't really get paid enough to live in New mm. York when you work for a low level position in a magazine. So that was a struggle. Um, but I learned a lot and I had a great boss who was a good editor. So I learned how to be, um, how to edit really well on that job. And I found I enjoyed that side of it too. Well, you have so many awards that you got when you were at the University of Pennsylvania that probably set you up for getting jobs well when you got out. Uh, I see that you had the best undergraduate paper on Shakespeare. That's right. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that was that's kind of a surprise. Important. I didn't. It was. I did a, a thesis, a, a longer thesis, which you could get into this program to do. So I wrote one about um, Shakespearean plays and found only found out they put it in the little school paper at graduation. So someone told me about it. It was kind of the way the English department was. It wasn't the most organized. <laughs> so you kind of found out about things after the fact. Well, the University of Penn doesn't sound like that they make it sound like it's a big deal <laughs> um and then you got numerous writing awards um now after you went to new york i didn't even have in the bio that you went to new york so i'm like okay you know, <laughs> the working women magazine job was in new york yeah that's right so how long were you in new york um just about two years i think for me that was enough to be in new york you know they say you know i well, i wasn't my mother was a native new yorker but i for me it was overwhelming and we talked about this a little bit i i tend to get overwhelmed by things <laughs> and some people can really handle all that but for me it was just the noise and the pace um just didn't suit my personality so um yeah, some people it to some people it sounds really exciting yeah and to other people it sounds very overwhelming yeah right or they just look at pictures of new york city and go ah yeah um but i think for a short amount of time mm-hmm. it'd be really neat and it looks like you have lived in a lot of places i have because after new york you ended up at the university of texas in austin that's right i got went back to graduate school and got a master's in english there Masters yeah. in English. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, the laugh. English was not my best subject, <laughs> believe it or not. Okay, so you got numerous writing awards there uh-huh. at, U- the, at UT, right? Um, and then you ended up on a fellowship in film at UCLA. Yeah, so I was. I, I knew I didn't really want to be a professor of English, which was the path I was going down. Um, and so I was looking at doing other programs, and I, I started to really see uh, there's a lot of independent films that are being played in Austin. I started to go and see a lot of them and really got drawn into that, wanted to do that. Um, and so I went to UCLA for a film school, got an MFA in directing. Um And, you know, that was a a big turnaround for me because I think before that I had felt very confident. Things had come, writing had come relatively easily. Filmmaking did not come easily. (laughs) It's very technical. Um, There are so many ways that you can make a film wrong, even a short film, which is what we were doing. Um, So that was a real, I think it was very good for me. It was almost like going into therapy for seven years, film school, because it was such a challenge. Um, You were exhausted. It was, you know, seven days a week and 12 hour days on film shoots. And I had never done anything like that before. And I had always been very 
um, independent. Um, you know, when you're writing and you're doing a lot on your own. And this was very collaborative. You were working with a film crew, same group of people over and over again in this little small um, world that we were in in our small film school. So all of that was was really hard for me, honestly. Wow. Yes. Yeah, um, and kind of, you know, kicked my butt a little bit. And I think it was good, though. I think it was humbling and it was really what I needed um, at the time. I <laughs> I found it to be very hard, but coming out, now that I look back on it, um, I learned a lot of life skills from that. You know, sometimes the hardest things you do really teach you, really help your character. Well, what got you from, you know, English at UT in Austin, here in our lovely, this lovely Where city. Where I now live. <laughs> <laughs> to... Los Angeles. Well, I mean, how did you make that? Because that's such a brave thing to do. Talk about a risk taker. Mm. I mean, you went to New York City, right? Right, uh, and then you're going to LA, right? And you went to Texas. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I get it. Okay, Texas sounds, you know, exciting, for me that was but, exotic because you know, I'm from it? Pennsylvania. Yes. Oh, coming south, right? And nobody in my family had any connection to the South or to Texas, which just seemed like a foreign world. I bet. Um, and then I really fell in love with Austin. So I went to LA. I was there for 10 years. Um, I can't jump away from that. I want to talk about that. Right. right. So, um, but I always wanted to come back to Austin because I found it to be such a livable place and a very welcoming city um, and very accepting of everybody and everything. And I just loved that. I felt like it was really walking the walk. Um, And LA, less so, less so than what I had expected. I would think that a lot of people that haven't been to Los Angeles and the beach area and all that, they would think that would be... Eden. Right. It's going to a beautiful, wonderful place with the ocean. Yeah. But for you, it sounds like you're chasing Eden was coming back to Austin. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's funny. We used to, I met my husband there and we had our first child there and we used to come on vacations here to Austin. (laughs) I think, you know, LA is a great town and has so much to offer. Um, part of the big reason for me of leaving was the traffic, honestly. It just got unlivable. You couldn't, you know, we, we had tickets once. We wanted to go see the opera in downtown L.A., beautiful opera house. We left an hour early, and we didn't make it. And they don't let you in late. Right. So we forfeited those tickets. We sat in traffic for two hours just trying to get from the west side to downtown. And that's when I think I realized it just wasn't, um, it wasn't feasible to live there anymore. But for 10 years, it was exciting. Yeah, it was. And, and we made some great friends there. Yeah. And, you know, you, you love the weather. <laughs> well, and you got numerous awards in film there. Yeah, you got the Motion Picture Association of America Award. Right. Uh-huh. Um, now, what is that award? Um, that is one for, uh, they give out numerous awards to the different graduate students each year. Um, that was a great one. Another one that was great, uh, the Jack Nicholson Distinguished Student yes. Director Award. That was very nice. Um, you know, and it costs a lot to make films and, and at UCLA you pay for them yourself. Oh, wow. So we were all, um, under budget and struggling. And so every time you got one of these, they were monetary and that really helped because, you know, is how you are literally paying to buy your next role of film so you got the women in film foundation fellowship and the women in you got two fellowships there um and just really it looks like such a a great career in writing and directing and filmmaking in los angeles yeah i mean it was i have to be honest about it you know it's it's uh it's a very tough world especially for women it's very hard to break through so even if you feel that you've done a lot of work in 
graduate school, it's really different from the real world of filmmaking. And you get out and everybody wants to be a writer and a director. And the whole town is, is filled with those people. And every, there's a lot of talent. It's not that there's a lack of talent in the town. Um, it's just very hard for most people to really um, be seen, for someone to look at your script or look at your film, mm-hmm. um, someone who has the means to make something happen. And I think if you're willing to really dedicate your life to that, you can get there. And I think as it went on, you know, I had shorts playing in festivals and that was great. And my friends did too. Um, but I realized I don't think I had it in me to really do that kind of a sacrifice to try to get there. And I think it would have been very hard to do that and also have three kids. Well, and so you made a decision based on what you wanted. And I right. think that's part of designing your life instead of letting life design you. Mm. You could have, you know, woken up one day and been like, I, I don't know how I got here in L.A. when in this film, you know, and been unhappy or you know, I don't like having my kids here. But instead, you were very proactive. Once you experienced it, you actually said that you came to realize you could do a lot of the same things and be happier in Austin, Texas. That's right. That's true. Yeah. And I think that that's a good um, point. I think my husband and I sort of made this policy of moving forward, move forward. Because <laughs> I did have a lot of regrets. Um, it was hard for me to give up filmmaking, which is I don't do it anymore. And so I struggled with that because I'd spent a lot of years, a lot of money, a lot of time in my life committed to trying to make that work. And I think I got to a point where it really was more important to move forward. And so sometimes that's another, you know, you get to that point in your life where you're like, am I going to keep knocking my head against this wall or am I going to swivel and try to do something else? And so that's what I did. And and it ended up working out really well. So, yeah, move forward was my motto for a couple of years. I had to remind myself of that so I wouldn't be regretful. (laughs) Don't get stuck. (laughs) L.A. is beautiful. Right. right? And so um, and it was a great experience and I learned a lot. But then I had to move forward and say, I really want to live in Austin. I really want to be present for my kids right now. Um, And then I will move forward into something else. Well, and um, when I lived there, I had a lot of fun. I was just there three years and um, was at the beach a lot with, you know, my baby taking her to the beach, Uh my first child. Uh, It was the biking. I mean, I was such a tourist over there. I did everything touristy. I had so much fun. But it was temporary. Yeah. And the traffic was crazy. Yeah. And I was looking forward to coming back to Texas. Right. But it's so funny that, um, you know, humans are so difficult. We want beauty. We want ocean. And we want nice weather. And then we're like, oh, but we don't want traffic. We don't don't want crowds. We don't want crowds. (laughs) We know it. And so as we did, as we were driving back, and I'm sure this happened to you, there is a place along the route from L.A. to Texas. Mm-hmm. to the um, Austin area uh, when you get around to I don't know Albuquerque kind of that kind of area mm-hmm. you start thinking what am I doing the beauty is disappearing <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> it's a different kind of beauty yeah. that's right yeah it is it's, you, you drive through the desert and you wonder what happened <laughs> well so you came back to Austin and that's really really exciting um, and you're glad that you did that. I am. I, I just feel so comfortable here. I don't know what it is about this town. Um, you know, I'm not from the South or the West, uh, but I, you know, I think the same thing's happening with Austin. More and more people are moving here for that very reason. It's just a very comfortable place to live, and it's a great place to raise kids. Right. That's wonderful. And uh, we're in Dallas-Fort Worth, in the Fort Worth area. We feel the same way very much. Mm-hmm. And it's not far from Austin. We can just come down here. <laughs> um, well, wonderful. Uh, we... We would love to hear how you were able to bring your life from L.A. 
to Austin and make it better. Mm-hmm. And now your husband's in music? He does music licensing. Um, yes. So he has a music licensing business. So he kind of transitions between the musicians and the uh, film and TV world. He's a conduit between the two. And he does that well here. Yeah, he does. That's awesome. It's an internet-based company, so... And so that made it very convenient for you guys to live where you wanted to live. That's right. And still be able to raise your kids where you wanted to raise them. Right. Um, and go into doing what you really wanted to do. Yeah. I, th- I think it's just as important along the way for you to learn what you don't want to do. Yes. As much as learning. What, and it can be much more directive learning what you don't want to do than trying to figure out what you do want to do. I think that's a really good point, And it's good to have tried it. And say, you know what, I tried that, and I really gave it my all, and now I'm going to switch and do something else. Um, but it's, a re- it's, and it's, you know, you learn other things from it, too. You may not be, as I said, like, I'm not making films anymore, but I learned so much about dealing with people, telling a story um, in a different way that, that I use every day today. So. Yes, you do. And I, I read about that all last week, about <laughs> all the stuff that you've done here. Now, how long have you been here in Austin? We've been in Austin about seven years now, going on seven years. Yeah. Seven years. Okay. So when we get back from break, you're going to tell us all about what you're doing here and um, how it's been kind of your Eden, your um, paradise. Right. Maybe, because you do love it here. I do. When you talk about it, it, it sounds lavish. <laughs> I, mean, I just hear it in your voice, like you're in a foreign country enjoying life (laughs) so when we get back from break we'll have you fill us in on all that and so thanks for tuning in we are going to break for a commercial and then we'll be right back to hear more from virginia woodruff on her life here in austin your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Have you ever noticed that sometimes life just feels easier, especially when judgment of you or anyone else ceases to exist? What if you could function from that space all the time? What if gratitude is the key? Every time you are grateful for someone or something, a new universe opens up. What difference can you create in your life and the world from the energy, space, and consciousness of gratitude? Join us on Access Consciousness Presents Beyond Saying Thank You every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are 13 unbreakable habits of truly enlightened people. These life-changing habits are discussed on Dream the Life, Live the Dream with Dr. Yomi Garnett. We'll offer an excursion in self-discovery, along with wisdom that will allow you to stay on the correct path toward your destiny. You can find excellence in your life. Tune in every Thursday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, that's 10 a.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for this exciting transformational journey. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Absurd Psychology. Straight answers without all the bull. Hosted by Dr. Gary Bell. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. 
build your better business, achieve that goal, make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. This is your host, Ann Beale, and I am talking with writer-director, new journalist for the last seven years, Virginia Woodruff. We were transitioning from her life in Los Angeles um, as a filmmaker, an independent filmmaker and director, to her life here in Austin. Um, so, you're in Austin now. Yes. You get to Austin seven years ago. What right. did you do? And how did you know that you wanted to come here to do it? Well, I think we just loved it here. It's a very outdoorsy town, and we liked that. And it's just, you know, it has changed a little bit. Even the last seven years, it's grown a lot. But it was just easy to get places. Everything was 15 minutes, no matter where you wanted to go. (laughs) And you get to a point in your life, I think, where you just want things to be easy. Um, And so we had our son. We moved here. He was almost two. And since then, we had twin daughters, and we had them in Austin. And now our son is eight, and our daughters are almost five. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Isn't it twins? Twins. So it cool. was crazy, too. That's been another journey. <laughs> so you had your first child in L.A. We did, yeah. So did that affect your decision to leave filmmaking? Yes, it did, yeah, and to leave L.A., I think. Um, I mean, I think I just, you know, I, you know, I went into parenting full. I jumped right in, um, and it was a big learning experience for me, and I really, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but also one of the most satisfying things. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where you love it and you hate it every day, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really a challenging uh, experience, but, um, you know, it was really interesting for me, and it was interesting to meet other new moms, and I found a, a huge new world through that. Like, I didn't know you would have this immediate connection with everybody who had a baby, um, whether they spoke your language or not. It is amazing. That was really fascinating to me. And I just found the whole thing really fascinating. I just I just really embraced parenting, and my husband did too. And um, it's been such a journey that we've been on. So you didn't leave your husband behind when you fell in love with parenting. That's right. No. Is that what you're telling me? Well, he, he really wanted to be a very involved dad too. And I think uh, it's challenging for him to work from home, but one of the reasons he loves to do that and to continue to have his own business and not go work for someone else is that he can really be there. And he's so glad he hasn't missed any of those moments. Now, was he home and worked from the house when you were in Los Angeles? He did. He did He did other things, um, but he, we've always kind of both worked from home. We never miss each other, <laughs> which is sometimes challenging. That means you have the love language of time, probably, that you both, in some ways, I mean, because some people will be like, how can you see him all day long and all night? Yeah. Right? Well, we, we do have, you know, we go to our separate offices, and but it took us a while to learn to do that, and then we'll meet up again and eat lunch together at the dining room table in the house and then go but yeah it took me and it took me a while not to interrupt him as much as maybe I wanted to um so but we've we've learned how to do that now so yeah but it's nice to work from home so how did you about if you'll tell the listeners how did you go about deciding and finding a job and all that leaving LA to come here I mean what would be what would you advise people 
when they're thinking about leaving, mm-hmm. saying, oh, you know what? I don't want this life. I want to go back where I went to college or go back where I grew up or mm-hmm. go back to that one place I took a vacation at. Right. You know? Yeah. I had some friends not very long ago get back from the Bahamas. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I just want to move there. And they actually started looking into moving there. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding? You're going to move to Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know? I think, you know, some of it is if you can afford it, you should do it. I mean, for us, Austin was more affordable than L.A. for sure. sure. Um, L.A. was that was the other part. It was the traffic and the expense. I mean, to have a house in a nice neighborhood, uh, even if it's a modest house, was just astronomical there. You know, it just became sort of an untenable place to live for us. So here we could have a bigger house for half the price. So we <laughs> jumped at that chance. Um, so. I think if you can do it, you should. I mean, I really feel that life is so short and you're, as you said, seasons, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be forever either. We may not be here forever. Um, But for for right now, it was the right decision for us. Um, And I think you just have to go with what feels good to you. So you just started looking to move, looking for a place. Yeah, we would look online at real estate all the time. (laughs) But you knew you could just continue your, you knew you were going to do parenting and then just journalism writing yeah what were you deciding I'll, I'll just go to Austin and I'll do yeah just I think that was part of my transition out of filmmaking I hadn't quite completed that decision and I think moving here was a part of completing that not that there there are plenty of filmmakers in Austin right um but I think for me it was sort of starting fresh and doing something new so. And did you know that when you got here? Or did you think you might be doing more film when you got here? Uh, that's a good question. I think I, th- I think I thought I might still be doing film. I hadn't really uh, put the lid on that box. And it's not to say that I might not go back to it one day. That's good to hear. But it's just, um, you know, it's just, it's just a very uh, full, full-time <laughs> commitment. And for me, it didn't work along with having kids. Right. And, and, and you know, it's so awesome that you can make that decision, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so often uh, women, maybe we could say feminist, well, you know, whatever. I saw on your your, uh, website that we'll talk about later, there was, uh, my mom is a feminist. The the lady, we interviewed her mom. I just shared some piece about that, which was great, yeah. And she was like, okay, my mom's a feminist. (laughs) And I started thinking, I think my mom is. Because, you know, the more I've gotten older, the more I realized my mom was much more, 60s and 60s like yeah that cracks me up um and so you know they talk all about having a career and doing um you know all these things but um and there's lots of great daycares all over austin all over dallas the whole area you can have a daycare take your child at your career any company any business from like Six in the morning until eight at night, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and have your career, but then you lose your children, mm-hmm. and you lose that wonderful time with your children. Yeah. Um, and if you're working that much, you're not with your spouse much. That's right. And you chose a different route. Yeah. You know, your family. That's true. Well, I, you know, I, I also want to say that I think it's interesting how I think I really want to throw out that idea that it's not feminist to be a full-time mother because I feel I'm a feminist and (laughs) I really have also enjoyed being a mother and it's definitely been the hardest thing I've ever done. Right. Um, That's true. And I think we're maybe we're, this is this generation. We're doing it a little bit differently. We really want to be there for our kids. We want to spend time with them perhaps in a way our parents didn't with us, whether our mothers and fathers were working or not. It was just a different way that they viewed parenting. It wasn't the number one thing they were doing. And I think, 
you know, now we do, we really put a lot of value into it. Um, and we see a lot of results from that. Um, and so I feel a lot of feminists I know are very proud of being full-time mothers. And maybe that's a transitional thing. They're going to do it while their children are young, and then they're going to go back into something else. And what's been interesting, too, is to see how many people take some time off to be a mother and then find a different career afterwards from the other people that they met who are mothers. Um, maybe they're working with those other people now. They start their own businesses. A lot of them are working from home. They want to have more flexible jobs than a traditional nine-to-five five or seven to seven job in an office. So that's really been interesting too. I feel like for a lot of women, it's made them look at their lives and say, what is it that I really want? Um, and parenting is a great way to really strip it all away and, and strip all your ego away too. Right. Strip your ego. Uh, strip away. your that's ego. So it's done that to me and it's been great. <laughs> well, and I, I think that um, the original definition of feminism was simple and, and true mm-hmm. and, uh, and really most people would agree with it 100% right. that it just means equal pay right. equal work right. uh, sharing jobs and yes. at home it's that you both have roles and you have equal work Yeah. Um, if you both have jobs and when you get home you both take care of your house because you right. both own the house you both live yeah. in the house That's right. and if you lived alone you would have to clean your house and do mm-hmm. your laundry and cook your food right. <laughs> or eat out um, just like you would if you had a roommate well you yeah. both do it yeah. right? I think it's valuing yourself Yes. Um, and so for a long time, women were taught not to do that, to really put them their own personal needs and desires on the back burner. And so I think now, and I think the interesting thing is a lot of men in this generation say, hey, I really want to be an active dad. I don't want to just be the breadwinner who's gone all the time. I want to be there. I want to take the kids to this and that event. I want to volunteer at the school. I want to be a member of the PTA. So that it's been fascinating how we're all shifting our roles. And I don't think we're there yet. I think we're still, everybody's still working it out. And partly that's because work has not changed. Corporate life has not really shifted enough to allow people to have the flexibility that they want right now right well you know it's it's interesting because men are getting to the point where they're realizing what hey if my wife wants to go to work every day michael and i just get to hang home with the kids that's cool Mm -hmm. you know and so you know why would i not want you to go slave if that's what you want to do (laughs) yeah it should be much more just a how are we going to make it work let's figure this out yeah yeah and so really it's a you know feminism um, meant more to me what my mom taught me was to embrace feminism mm-hmm. that you can be strong and you can be confident and you can be um, smart right. and still be very feminine right and and be an athlete mm-hmm. and still be very feminine that's right and that um, femininity didn't mean that you had to act like a man or a boy and I have right. four brothers so I did I tried that <laughs> <laughs> to keep up and had a little you know but um, to really be able to be just as capable mm-hmm. and um, and and yet still feminine, and that the femininity is what made us different. Mm-hmm. And um, so I could embrace wearing my feminine clothes and my feminine suit right. that was very smart and very confident, yeah. and, and very um, you know somewhat my power suit, but feminine. Yeah, and I and I love that. Yeah. and so bringing that home, loving the time with your children, um, embracing the time with your husband, helping together to build a beautiful home, and mm-hmm. just a fun wonderful safe place um, where it's really peaceful mm-hmm. and when you come home you feel like it's kind of your safe haven mm. I'm looking um, for the peaceful 
my it's kids still are grown. a little You're bit crazy <laughs> over here, but when I, I am looking forward to the peaceful. I saw your eyes. <laughs> peaceful. Yes. Yeah, so my kids are grown. I've got to remember this. Um, but yeah. And so I think that for you, designing your life mm-hmm. with what you really wanted to do, you. Yeah. You chose to work out of your house. Right. Um, your husband chose to work out of his house. Right. You know, his, the house. Yeah. Together and enjoy your kids. And, um, you know, walking up your porch today, I saw the, all the bikes. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that is so cool. Having all the bikes. <laughs> and, of course, bikes fit Austin. Yes, Everywhere that's right. Go. Bikes and dogs. Bikes and dogs. Yeah, you walk into a restaurant. And, and tacos. And dogs and dogs. <laughs> Tacos. The triumvirate of what defines Austin. If we had a shield, it would be bikes and dogs and tacos. Tacos everywhere. Yeah, that's I mean, right. That was the most fascinating. All the dog parks, when you walk into restaurants, oh, yeah. there's dogs. Yeah. Um, my daughter, my youngest daughter, loves Austin. Mom, you can take your dog everywhere. Yeah. I'm into restaurants. And so um, it is a wonderful place. Yeah, it, I think that's the thing I liked about it. And, you know, also the multi-generational aspect. I remember... When I went to grad school here, I was always really impressed if you would go to see some live music, which, of course, is the fourth part of Austin. Um, there'd be all, there'd be young people, but it wasn't just hip young college students. There were gray-haired people. There were grandparents. There were hipsters who had grown up. There were hippies who had <laughs> grown up. And everybody just mixed together. And I think I really liked that part, too. And the same now, you go to concerts and then people bring their kids. There's a part of ACL for kids. So I really liked that. It felt almost a little bit European to me. My father was from England, and so we went over there a lot growing up. And to me, that part of multi-generations all enjoying the same thing, um, I feel like we've lost a little bit of that in our culture, too. It's very separated. Like, this is where you take your children and this is where the old people go and this is where the college students go and this is where you retire and this is where you retire and this is where the moms and dads are supposed to be Mm -hmm. and I feel like one thing that I like about this city and I hope it doesn't change is that everybody can enjoy things together and, and no one is saying this is just for you or just for me well, and there's other things about Austin that are cool. I mean, you can walk down the street and Matthew McConaughey will be hanging out. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Robert Plant might be hanging out. That's right. But um, in light of Interstellar, you know, mm-hmm. um, Matthew McConaughey. Um, and so that is really cool what you have done. And um, so what is the best part of your life right now? Oh, that's a hard question. I mean, I think the best, I, lo- I really love living in Austin. I love working at home and I love being, being able to be there for my kids just for the little stuff, even if it's the fights and the complaining, <laughs> they fight a lot with each other. But, you know, I think that's okay. It means they're, you know, expressing themselves, which we are big on in our family. Um, and so I think that is great. And then, um, you know, I really love that I've found something I can do from home, which is um, writing about parenting and running my website um, that it fulfills me professionally, but leaves me time to still be in- engaged in my life. Well, and that brings us to the next segment after our commercial. And we are going to talk about your website. Um, what's the name of your website? Great Moments in Parenting. Right. Um, and what's that little tagline there? When uh, it was great. Yeah, it's the agony and the ecstasy of life with kids. The agony and the ecstasy. Yes. Okay, so I was talking about the ecstasy earlier, and um, I saw agony yeah. on your face. <laughs> There's You're some like, of that, I'm too. For the piece. <laughs> yes. And you spend a lot of time. When I was looking at that website, there is so much to that website. Um, why did you start the website? 
Well, I really, uh, so I have wanted to write a book for a few years, and I realized you have to have a platform to write a book, and I didn't know what that was, so I spent a lot of time figuring it out, and basically it means you have to have something else that put your name out there into the world, and I didn't feel comfortable writing a personal blog. I think I'm just not that comfortable talking about myself all the time. <laughs> I didn't have enough, uh, that I, enough that going on that I was really going to be able to fulfill that, so I had an idea to what I call an open blog. So I publish myself and I publish other people. A lot of them are bloggers. Some of them are people who have never written for a blog or online before who I've met and they've told me something really interesting and about their parenting. And I said, listen, would you write about that for me? Because I'm really interested in hearing that perspective. So the point of it was to really bring some honesty back into the parenting conversation because I felt like there were a lot of books that were telling you what you were supposed to be doing. A lot of blogs that were either very funny or they were very um, perfect. (laughs) And I kind of wanted something that was both, that was in the middle, that was also saying like, hey, this is really hard. This is something that happened to me that was just crazy and I have no good answers, but here's what happened. And so we could commiserate over that experience. And it's really taken off. It's it's hit a nerve with people um, and it's been so wonderful to see and I'm really enjoying doing it. And there is so much input on that website for men and women. That was the other thing. Thing that I, I think because we co-parent as a mom and a dad and we're both we both really share the duties 50-50 and I wanted to hear from the dads too um, so I didn't want it to be just women which is how most things usually turn out and it is still harder to get men to write about things I think they're not yet as public with talking even though they're involved as parents they're not as used to talking about it or complaining about it <laughs> so I'm working on that well and I think just fatherhood is um, a complicated Mm-hmm. you know, identity right. for men. It's not something that we hear a lot about out there. That's right. And know? for a lot of people, their fathers were not doing it right. not the way they are. So they are really breaking the mold. It's just the way women are breaking the mold, trying to work and be a mother. I think for them, they are really figuring out how do I do this? And it's the first time. Well, when we get back after break, we're going to talk more about the parenting website and we're going to move into veronica's new book that's coming out so tune in after the break and we'll be right back thank you us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You have the power within to achieve anything, be it wealth, balance in your life, getting over your fears and roadblocks, and creating a positive impact on the world. Let Darby Mack show you how on the powerful, passionate, prosperous woman show. 
Darby will bring you the tools and tips that you need to make it all happen with engaging guests and topics that will help you make your dreams come true. The Powerful, Passionate, Prosperous Woman Show is heard live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. How do you achieve balance in your life? Is it when everything runs in perfect alignment with each other? Time, money, and life? You can keep everything in nearly perfect balance. Listen for Be Mighty with K.D. Marley, which is made up of two people, K. Mar and D. Lee. The hosts have worked with small business owners to find the best and most systematic way of tracking both time and money in order to achieve work-life balance to their advantage. The show can help you, too. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. This is your host, Ann Beal, and I am talking with journalist, writer, director, Virginia. Woodruff. <laughs> and I'm laughing about that because she told me on break that I said at the last minute right before we got off Veronica. <laughs> and what's so funny about that is earlier when we were discussing, we got here this morning, about the scatteredness of being a parent. And um, I'm not sure that I really have a huge excuse since my kids are grown. I think it's the scatteredness of being a radio host. That's right. <laughs> I don't think it ever goes away. <laughs> okay. Well, and we were talking about greatmomentsinparenting.com. That's right. Your website. Uh, tell us more about it. I would love to. Um, so we run off of submissions. So we would love for your audience members to submit to us. Um, I accept a, a short moments, which are just really a sentence or two about something funny or touching or embarrassing that happened to you as a parent. Um, we also have grandparents submit. So oh, yeah. I would love to hear all those stories. I know they are there are a lot of them. <laughs> uh, we also accept essays, which are longer, usually between 500 and 1,000 words. Um, and that's more, you know, where you're going through an experience that you've had, what it's meant to you, and what, you know, what you are finding with what your conclusion is from that. Um, and we also accept photos. So we've got some amazing photos about just crazy mess the kids have gotten into, costumes, um, secret things that they have done, um, a lot of sibling rivalry issues. Uh, we also have a section there for multiples. So if anybody else has twins or triplets, I love to hear from them too, since I am in that boat and that is its own unique world of craziness. <laughs> and that, that is exciting because I think um, if I was to ask you, if there's one moment with parenting that you could say was probably the absolute craziest. Oh, gosh. <laughs> there's, there's a few. There are there. a lot of moments. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I think some of the craziest are when everybody gets um, sick mm-hmm. and there might be some vomiting and some <laughs> diarrhea and it passes through the house and you're just trying to 
literally survive at that point. You're just trying to make sure that maybe someone can eat something and you yourself are sick and everyone's sick in the house. When that happens, I mean, it's something I'd never really thought of before because someone was always taking care of you when you were younger or on your own. You know, if you're sick, it's okay. When you have kids, you, you really can't be sick. There's You have to keep going. And I think those have been some of the hardest parts of just making yourself keep doing it um you know especially if you're still changing diapers making yourself keep doing that when you yourself are sick is just you know you find depth of strength you never thought you had well and for you having twins mm-hmm. you know you talk about people having triplets mm-hmm. or quadruplets i can't even imagine mm-hmm. right but twins does make it more difficult because they have two exactly the same age. That's right. Going through exactly the same, and when there's especially babies, yeah. you know, two colics or right. two flus or two, you know. That's right. So you're not, now your first was not twins. Right. So, and that's probably really good for training. You had a little training It was. Before. It was. I feel lucky that I had a singleton first, although I know people who have had twins first and have said, you know, when they have a singleton later, it seems so easy oh, yeah. because the bar was set so high. I, I would think for them it would be incredibly easy. Um, and so which child do you think has been the most creative of your <laughs> children? You know, the creative, you know, that might... You know, you look at it, you kind of laugh secretly. Yes. Like, oh, my gosh. I have one. Hannah. Hannah. Hannah is very creative. <laughs> um, she is very, we call her the diva. Mm-hmm. She is very loud about everything. She's just talking, just her regular talking voice is loud. She sings a lot. She makes up songs. She dances, makes up dances. Um, and she is very uh, determined when she wants something. She is the hardest to negotiate with. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm, I see a sort of a Diana Ross in her. <laughs> uh, you know, so when she, I'm hoping that she will make it in some creative career so that her personality will be respected. Um, Otherwise, I think it's, you know, that can be really hard to be a, a big personality in this world. Um, on the other hand, you know, she could care less what someone thinks about her. She has no sense of shyness or she has no self-esteem issues, you know. And I think it's interesting having twins, too. You see, you let yourself off the hook as a parent that I, I didn't create that in her just as I didn't make her sister be a little more shy and a little more thoughtful. That's just how they were born. And it's been fascinating to see both that um, I'm not responsible for that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I also can't be praised for it. So it's kind of nice having twins again because it makes you realize, you know, which, which all parents should realize is really they come out in, with their personality and they are who they are and you just have to sort of work with the child that you have. Well, learning um, those different personalities is, is quite fascinating. Like, um, you know, I had the experiences of realizing when a child asks to paint, they're not necessarily talking about finger painting or, you know, child painting. They may actually end up outside painting house paint on something. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just like taking them much more literal. Mm-hmm. You know, that that their mind and their what they're thinking is not necessarily what an adult is thinking. Right. You know, and so I, parenting is such a, it does, it kicks that self, you know, that, yeah. that arrogance right out of you. Yeah, right? or the sense of control. Oh, I mean, you think you, you have control, you think you know what to expect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that goes out the window. And that's, that, that's hard, but it can also be a good thing, you know, because you have to learn to think on your feet. You have to be a lot more flexible. You have to improvise a lot more. Um, and you have to be willing to also just sometimes say, listen, it's not going to get done. It's not going to happen today. But it's all worth it. Yes. It's so worth it. And I think 
you know, I, I, I'm so glad because I loved what I did um, when I was in California working and I traveled with my job and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I had said, I can't even tell you how many times I'm kind of embarrassed how many times I said I wasn't going to have kids. Right? <laughs> I was going to travel and I was going to make a lot of money. I was going to do all this and then have children. Mm-hmm. Right. And so once I had my first, I had no idea how incredible it was and yeah. how wonderful. I never would have ever known that. And right. so it has been a great experience. I was incredibly fascinated when I read about, well, I guess you talked to me about it, your your book that's coming out. Right. And um, just the, I, the idea of the book. And then I heard another interview you did when you were talking about the book some more. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, this is such an awesome book. Tell us about Thank your you. book that's coming out. I would love to. Yeah. So uh, it is called, Am I Doing This Right? Why It's Harder to Be a Mother Today Than It Was a Generation Ago. Uh, this came about because I was talking to a lot of new moms, a lot of friends, a lot of, of people I had just met through different associations. And everybody was saying, what a hard time they had. And everybody was asking, am I doing this right? Everybody was reading all these, just like me, I was researching I was and reading, reading and <laughs> trying to follow different parenting styles. And and I suddenly realized this is really interesting because when I talk to women of the older generation and when I thought about my mother, my mother's now died, but when I thought about her as a mom, right, she wasn't asking, am I doing this right? She was just doing it. Right. So I started to research and I found that it was very fascinating that a lot of things have come together for our generation in particular. I would say people who are in their 30s and 40s now who have children, um, that they, compared to maybe the baby boomers or the generation before, that challenges that those mothers did not face. And certainly one thing I want to say right off the bat is one advantage we have is that the men are helping a lot more, that they weren't helping my mother or my grandmother. Right. No, they it just wasn't expected. So they, they were doing it on their own. Um, but I think partly it's been the internet. Partly we just have too much information. We are the first people to parent in the age of information. So anytime your child coughs, you look on the internet and worry. you think they've got oh. tuberculosis. You know, it's yes. yeah, worry, right? And so it's helpful because you can turn to the internet when you have questions, but the, it can be harmful because yes. you can really get overwhelmed, whether you're reading a lot of blogs, reading a lot of um, WebMD type of websites. It can be overwhelming when you're a new mother. Um, the and other thing is, I think that there's a lot more um, emphasis on parenting now and wearing your baby, breastfeeding. Yeah, yes. All those things are great for your baby, but they can also be really hard on the mother. So if you are going to do that, you have to really give yourself some breaks and fill up your own cup. And that can be really hard to do because you feel guilty all the time. You feel like you're not doing enough. And I think our mothers didn't think about that. No. It was much more, even like day to day, the kids would just go out to play, come back for dinner was how it was. Now you can't let your kid go out and play by themselves. We're a lot, we're concerned about safety. We're a lot more concerned about safety. We're a lot more fearful. So we're parenting out of a place of fear. And I think that can make us very anxious. And I I think that, um, you know, I know my mom is listening. So Uh I just want to clarify. I don't exactly know what you were thinking, mom. But um, I did enjoy um, being able to just go outside and play. Yeah. And she would just say, go outside. You what? guys go outside, go outside. Mm-hmm. And so we we would just go outside and often we would leave, right? And then come back oh, sometime in the day, right? right? right. And, um, and so I, when I was thinking about your book, mm-hmm. I have to say, wow, my mom had so much more alone time. That's right. So did mine. And I don't know what she, like, 
if she would have used it like I did, you know, like, right. oh, I think I'll hang out. Yeah. My mom may have just done all the laundry and all the cleaning mm-hmm. and, you know, because she had six. Mm-hmm. Oh so I can't, even imagine. I can't imagine. But it was go outside, go outside. And right. so we were hardly ever just having mom entertain us like parents That's right. do now. And mothers weren't expected to entertain uh-huh. you. And now we do. We feel like we have. And I think the stakes are higher now. You know, you want them to do well in school. There's more testing in school. And that falls out into the pressure that comes home with getting your child to do well. There's more pressure to do either an art or sport early and excel at it. And so you're driving them. My mother never drove me to any of those things. I didn't do those things until they came along with high school. Right. They were very convenient in the area you know Mm -hmm. we didn't go out of our way right and now I know you know myself included I my kids are all into activities and we're taking them to all of them and it's exhausting I saw your van when I came today oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and I think one of the other things that shifted is just the demographic trends have changed we have children later in life now women have usually worked before having children Mm -hmm. they have college degrees sometimes graduate degrees so I think you bring a lot of that um, ambition and um, just power that you used to bring to your career, to your parenting. And I don't think that that's a bad thing, but I think it has changed what parenting looks like and has changed what motherhood looks like. It's not something we just do because it happened to happen to us. It was something we do it very consciously. We wait to have children. We do it when we're ready. Then we put our whole effort into it 110%. And I think sometimes it's really hard to step back a little bit and realize we don't have to do that. You know, and I am definitely a part of this as well. I am, I'm talking about myself, mm-hmm. but I found it was so common with everyone I talked to. And it was interesting when I talked to mothers from the previous generation, um, my friends, mothers, or people I would meet at conferences. And I would say, do you find this to be true? And they would say, Oh yes. I can't believe what my daughter has to do these days. Lugging around the car seats. We didn't have car seats constantly on the phone. And I didn't even have an answering machine. I didn't have to answer my phone. I could be home and not answer my phone. Nobody could contact me. You know, now we're, we're constantly in touch. We're constantly on. And I think that that raises the pressure for mothers. So, that's what I'm writing about really is why does it feel harder today in those ways? And then, you know, is there anything we can do about it? And that's a challenging question. I think the answer is just to step back a little bit and realize the world is not going to end if we don't cross every T and dot every I. I was wondering if the reason we work so hard to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. With every moment, really, mm-hmm. so much more than what our, our parents had to do mm-hmm. is because they are truly right with us so much. We have to watch them all the time. That's right. They are right with us. They can't go out on their own and play. Yes. And so we have to come up with things to give them the learning mm-hmm. and the growth and all the things that they would have gotten being out in nature and with animals and playing with their friends because just playing stickball or mm-hmm. army men mm-hmm. or whatever um you you grow and you learn and you build relationships and all you have failures and all the things that kids now they learn that in the home in mm-hmm. the house with the parents or mm-hmm. taking them to activities where there's other adults right. that can watch them or being there right and um it just seems like because we're right with them mm-hmm. we tend to be so much more engaged and, and i you know i think of <laughs> Uh, my oldest daughter, she told me um, one day that uh, she started staying in her room reading and stuff like that instead of reading in the living room. 
And uh, I said, well, why? And she said, because you can see me. And if I'm laying here, it's like, hey, Ashley, could you help me with this? Or could you help me with that? Or And so, hey, go do that or go do that. And she said, if I could see her, I would give her things to do. Right. Or, you know, um, discuss things with her or right. ask her things. So she could not have downtime yeah. to read or just relax wow. because it went, oh. My job is to right. have her do something or help her or engage with her. Uh, that's such a good point. Yes. And I, I feel that that's true. And we're, we're not we're not letting our kids be alone anymore. <laughs> no. That's a really great point. So true. And I think when you speak about going outside or when people used to run, I used to bike around by myself outside. Oh, God, and, yes. and not only was it okay with my mom, but it was okay with other people's moms. Because now I find a lot, even if we will let our kids play outside, I will have other people give me a look or give them a look or say what's happening is somebody watching you you know we have this the instinct to be afraid um well i wanted to give you time if you want to reach virginia they can go to your website right yes. uh com, so people can contact you and i just want to thank everyone so much for listening and thank you so much for being here or thank letting you. me come into austin thank and enjoy you, Anna. i'm so happy to have you here and i'm so happy to be on your show <laughs> thank you everyone and we've enjoyed having you listen and look forward to the next segment of living well with ann beale thank you Thank you again for joining us. Living Well with Ann Beal airs live every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to see you again next week. 